Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Michael, you sent me a text. Uh, some sad news. A little minnow of a company just swallowed a giant whale. This Have you heard of this? I think it's Microsoft. Um, Such a small boutique company. Uh, bought this behemoth, GitHub. A monster deal. $7.5 billion. We've just been using this, this dumb old website <laughs> to watch our code for a while. It yeah. turns out... It turns out, I guess, that I didn't realize this until I read the story today, that Microsoft was has the most code of any single organization on GitHub. So they saw the writing on the wall and said, "I gotta get, we got to get in front of this. I think that was exactly right. Dude, Microsoft is is coming back. They really are. I mean, the whoever, whatever executive decided to switch them to all those subscription services is just got to be rolling Raking it in. Raking in. Yeah, no, it just makes so much more sense. Um, rather than you kind of rolling the dice of like, ooh, should I get a, should I get a MS Office 2016? Yeah. And it's already 2018? Uh, no, you just, just get 365. Wow, that, that, that started to go down a rabbit hole fast. It did. But I think, I think your larger point is right, that Microsoft is, has pivoted into you know, a real big, back to being a big player in software. You know what it reminds me of? No. It reminds me of uh, Two Little Hobbits <laughs> starting the, uh, as if Pebbles, what is the, the, the quote? Pebbles starting the avalanche yeah, down the mountain. Is that is that what you feel like? That's what you feel yeah, like? Yeah, it sort of is. Whoever. Well, that, that boutique company, Microsoft, right in their name. Right Watch in their it. Name. Put some put some money <laughs> down on them. All right, I I got to talk to you about something. It's been about a year since we talked about this last year and a half. It's time for us to have a check in and see if our opinions have changed on the dark roast, light roast coffee conundrum. And I bring this up because I had some dark roast accidentally today, mm. and it was horrible. It's horrible. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, this guy. This. this it's terrible. Guy. I just have, tastes like a campfire got lit in my mouth. I have not changed my mind either. Ugh. <laughs> medium, medium roast is the most disgusting thing that you can drink in the morning. What is going on? All right. Okay. Well, I, I thought maybe one of us might have pivoted. I think Oof. you probably... I think you might have thought that I pivoted when I put this in here, but I thought that you might have said, "You know what? There are there's some <laughs> value to dark roast. It is so much better. I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how anyone could drink anything but light roast. It doesn't make sense. So we're still both anti-medium roast. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everything but medium roast. At least commit. At least commit to something. 
you know, I think I think Dark Roast is disgusting, but I respect it. Going all out. I will say, there have been um there have been a couple times recently where whoever was roasting clearly just was like, I'm gonna just make it black. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I got an even extreme outlier. I the corollary to this is that I will say that Starbucks blonde espresso is pointless. Oh, 100% agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I will give you that, that I thought, ooh, a light roast espresso. This will be interesting. No, it's bad. Yeah. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. So this week on the pod, we are going to talk about trades. Uh, we're approaching the trade deadline in our league, so it's both it's at the forefront of both of our minds. Eric's going to do a quick introduction and do some spot-checking values. Then I'm going to talk about developing a model so that you can ideally evaluate trades in your own league. Take it away, Eric. So you want to make a trade. <laughs> Week 10 makes me feel like it's trading time. The trade deadline in our home league is fast approaching, and there has been a flurry of trade activity in TGFBI, the great fantasy baseball invitational, uh, which makes me think mm. that this is a natural trade season. Um, I listed a couple of things here, but Mike, why don't you start us off? Is there any reason why you think right now is a natural time to be making trades, dealing I maintain that it's because everyone's attention is firmly on baseball now. Right. NBA playoffs winding down. Um, NHL playoffs winding down. NHL playoffs Not that soccer down. has a lot of overlap, but soccer is over. Right. World and Cup hasn't started. World yeah. Cup hasn't started. You're still itching. That's right. So so I, I think there's something yeah. there, but I, th- I think you're right. You've got, some good, you've got some good examples here. I think you're absolutely right that... Uh, you're far enough in that you've been crushed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By your far enough draft team. from the draft. Yeah, <laughs> your delusions of grandeur have been dashed <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, that idea that Ryan Zimmerman was going to repeat what he did last year, gone. Yeah. What about that? What about that belief that Will Myers was going to play more than a week of games this year? 120 games. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I. <laughs> I was really optimistic that he'd get to 120 games. I don't know. <laughs> Holy heck. Yeah. Uh, I think that a lot of people are realizing, um, you know, some of their some of their weaknesses in their teams, as well as some of the strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had enough time for the hot streaks to regress and vice versa. Some of those cold starts to, you know, heat back up a little bit. All right. So I thought we would take a quick look at, at R, mm-hmm. which I've been uh, at the tiller for, our TGFBI team. Again, great the great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Maybe we'll even at them on this podcast. Uh, a bunch of industry wonks, 195, I believe. And um, we're somehow managing to be respectable. Okay, so looking at the standings, what do we do well? Well... <laughs> batting average we're actually kind of yeah there we go dang um batting average we're number one which is a recent recent thing stolen bases we're number one um rbis we are not <laughs> i would be i would be embarrassed if a team that the two of us were captaining didn't win stolen bases <laughs> i i know um 
Right. So we're number one in stolen bases and average, but we're number ten in RBIs. That's not too ten bad. Ten home runs, and ten in and and runs, which means that we're overall number six in hitting. Pitching a little bit more interesting. ERA number one, WHIP number two, saves number two, K's boink number ten. Oof, wins. <laughs> and then yeah, wins were second oh, to last. Man, yeah. And it's and it's a it's a hard second to last in the sense that we have half of the wins of the top team. Mm-hmm. We are falling way behind, and so. Really, the places that we can make up some ground, definitely, we're kind of what we kind of want to get to that. That tenth is should be our, like the worst stat that we have. Mm-hmm. We're only about ten wins behind, so it's not insurmountable, and that's actually been kind of fixed after basically the first week. Mm-hmm. And again, we are going bestardo here. We're doing the bestardo strategy using a bunch of middle relievers to keep our ERA and whip down and <laughs> high K per nine. So we've been uh, pretty decent there. Haven't been having to think a lot about who's starting each week. Cause then we have um, one ace Degrom, one clear number two in John Lester. And then one number one in looks Mr. Cole Hamels. <laughs> also number one in exploding at inopportune times. Yes. Yes, he is. So, <laughs> all right. So definitely place to improve is wins and Ks. We decided that we were going to do, well, we, the Royal, we decided we would do three starting pitchers. We really need four. Uh-huh. We really need four real starting pitchers uh, to get this strategy going, or at least to every once in a while do a two-star pitcher or something like that. So we made a trade. We're trading one of our strengths, batting average and stolen bases, Mr. Ender Enciarte for Patrick Corbin. Darling of the pod. Darling, darling of the pod. We have talked about him more than enough. It is time to put our money where our mouth is. Yeah. No, we both like Ender Enciarte. And he is, he's only batting 250 right now. He's going to regress so hard to 300. Yep. Uh, Good for somebody. We haven't done a bet box fodder section in a while. So here are some fake trades. All these trades were based on equal ownership from our, from CBS data um, on six one. This is number one. This is, yeah, this is fun. And we're, um, using the new graph format, which we're starting to filter onto our uh, Twitter account. Um, mm-hmm. Each one of these has the ownership graphed out as well as the startership, as I'm calling it, graphed out <laughs> for each one of the players. So Julio Tehran versus Luke Weaver. Go. Oh, Julio. Easy. Okay. Well, yeah. I uh, think Luke Weaver has is I, definitely... Yeah. He's kind of sticking around in terms of ownership, but more and more people are not starting him. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. The thing that I'm noticing, the thing that I would tend towards is is looking now at who's got the higher startership and, and trusting who you can trust a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that team is looking decent enough. I mean, he was able to get 
a couple of wins the last few years because the team was horrible. Yeah. Now he's actually got a team behind him. All right, let's go to number two. This is a little bit more interesting. His last one was pitcher for a pitcher. Pretty clear. This time we have Yasiel Puig, outfielder, for Marcus Semien, shortstop. I agree. This is much harder. Um, I would take Semien. You would take Semien. Okay. And there, again, definitely, if this is an understandable trade uh, because... I can see how someone would have a glut of outfielders. Yeah, right. And um, would need a shortstop and would be willing to sell uh, Puig. But you're right. I think Semien is a, it's going to be a good enough player at shortstop. I worry, I worry about Puig going down at an inopportune time. Absolutely. Down to AAA. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, is he going to behave himself this year, or uh, is he going to get put in timeout again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this uh, this graph is kind of interesting on his ownership. It's been down. There's a dive. Whereas Semyon's has been, like, equally the other direction. Yeah. Okay, first interesting one here. Sean Newcomb, starting pitcher, and Adam Jones, outfielder, for Hugh Darvish and Jed Lowry. What I like here uh, is we've got uh, Newcomb is the guy who's out of nowhere with Adam Jones being steady Eddie, tried and true, not doing anything spectacularly. And then on the other side of it, you have Yu Darvish, who is underperforming, but the name brand, and Jed Lowry, who's way over expectations. I, I, uh, I could see either liking either side of this deal. But if I had you Darvish and Jed Lowry and somebody offered me Newcomb and Jones for it, I would have to take that. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Like it's a it's a great sell high on Jed Lowry, who is, by the way, turning over in his ownership graph. Yep. So yeah, he's starting to he's starting he's starting his descent. Adam Jones is solid. Sean Newcomb is Maybe solid, and you Darvish again could go down at any time. Could get right. shut down He's, at any time. Could get shut down for like the year, yeah, or for the playoffs. Sometimes we forget the big boys up at the top. So Joey Gallo, third base for Steven Strasburg. What would you say to that? This one is completely league dependent. I there's not enough information between just these two to know. <laughs> You know, you have no idea what the construction is. I mean, I think that in a vacuum, I would take Steven Strasburg because you tend to have fewer pitchers. So mm-hmm. a pitcher that you you really trust and gets you a lot of Ks, I tend to think of as more valuable than uh, any batter. <sighs> <laughs> I'll go the other side then. Fine. Wow. Just take Joe Gallo. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, Where are you going to get those home runs? You don't need them. Plus, I'm agreeing with the 2% of leagues in CBS <laughs> that will not own Steven Strasburg. This is as even a line. He has been at 98% ownership throughout. There's got to be a... But it, I don't even get it. It makes it makes perf- To me, it makes perfect sense because Steven Strasburg... 
has been polarizing for all the years that he's been fantasy relevant because he's been just incredibly frustrating at, at some points. Yeah, man, I remember him being. Yeah. For for all of his brilliance, there are definitely times where you're like, man, I just I can't. <laughs> yeah, I it's just like I don't I don't want to own him. Uh-huh. I, there's going to be an injury, there's going to be something. And in some per, some small percentage of leagues, the entire league has agreed, no. <laughs> We've really been going deep on some nerd stuff lately. Not even all of it has made it into the pod specials. Here's an outtake. You know who would make a great woman? Saruman. Ah, uh, I, uh, I, I don't. I mean, the corrupted woman. The corrupted woman is kind of int- is is a is, could be a weird one. Hmm. I could play badly. Like S- Sauron. Sauron, good one. Maybe Sauron is good one. Sauron, Sauron, less good. Boromir, not good. So we just basically bullshitted our way to guessing in the last section about which trade we should take. Always good. What if we try to come up with a model for how to evaluate a trade? Love it. Let's not think. Let's do the, <laughs> let the computers do the thinking for us. If you're anything like me, you haven't paid nearly enough attention to guys that are actually owned on other teams this year. <laughs> Suddenly you're proposed a trade and I feel like I'm always caught with my pants down and I need a quick evaluation tool to try and understand what's going on with that guy. Wait, so Bud Norris is still starting for the Cardinals? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. The Houston Astros in the NL, right? Anybody that's been owned and there's just been no question, I always like, wait a second, what did I miss? <laughs> And so given given that and maybe trying to stab at something for even for more more casual fantasy baseball owners as well, I think we should try and just use the ESPN player rater to give us some relative value weightings here. Fine, fine, fine. And there's there's a few reasons that I like this. I like it because it breaks out the five by five categories into their relative value. So if you go to ESPN's player rater page, it'll show you plus or minus values for each player in the 10 main categories, indicating how they're performing relative to their cohort. So I really like this because in fantasy, it's all about the relative value, which is the principle that we've exploited time and time again, principally in something like FAWAR. Absolutely. Quick things about the player rater, though. Regression exists. (laughs) So there's one plot that I want to show you that just hammers this whole thing away you can sort the player rater by full seasons by the past week the past two weeks or the past three weeks and if you look at the distributions of the values over the court as a function of the top 300 what you see is that the longer the time period you go the more things revert to sort of a central value the more the curve becomes shallower so Players re-accrue value over time. Right, which is why people play Roto. That's exactly why people play Roto. And so so this metric is, is interesting because it the first line result to me is that it suggests that you really, when you're thinking about a trade, you want the longest possible baseline to figure out how much value someone's actually going to accrue. Exactly. And that's part of what went into, in the past section, my fear of those flash-in-the-pan guys, the ones where we mm-hmm. don't know what their what their sort of plateau looks like. 
Captain Nemo is going to plateau at 101%. (laughs) I am positive. My model has extrapolated it. (laughs) 20,000 leagues (laughs) over the sea of ownership. And just if you wanted to quantify this, it turns out that you need 11 terms in a polynomial fit to achieve the same quality of fit in a one week span as when you only need five to get an entire season. Wow. And it's all <laughs> driven by the steepness of the best players. Yeah, so of course. the players between zero and 20. And so my because assertion here have is amazing weeks. Yeah. My assertion here is do not trade for them. You cannot get an accurate valuation on them. Fair. I just don't think you know what's going on. And so if you wanted to use, if you want to trade for them, I guess I should say this metric is not the correct one to use. <laughs> this will not support your yeah. your idea. Uh, another thing that I really like about the player Raider is that because you have the 5x5 five five categories, you can roll your own trade values depending upon what your team needs. Mm-hmm. So if you need runs, you can look at who is really overachieving in runs and weight that more heavily. Conversely, if you have a lot of wins, you can decrease the weight on wins and figure out what sort of value in return you can expect for that player. Perfect. Okay. Last thing to note, saves and stolen bases are very heavily weighted naturally because the distributions are heavily skewed. Um, So when I tend to go in, and and people on pods have talked about this at length, when I look at the Mm -hmm. player rater, I try to flatten the contribution from stolen bases and saves. In part because otherwise you end up with things like Bud Norris has an equal contribution to Giancarlo Stanton if you don't do this. And so so I, I want to get away from believing that that would be a good straight-up trade, no matter how hurt you are for saves. Josh Hader for Giancarlo, though. Metric supports that. Metric would totally uh-huh. support that. You could make that trade. I, but I am curious. There's one thing that's glaringly missing from this model, which is this is all assuming a seasonal league. And we've really talked about this in your section as well. How should we modify this for keeper leagues? How do you think about assets that are a little bit more intangible in value? I don't know. That's a really, really hard question. Something that we've been fumbling with every year. I feel like yeah. our keeper picks aren't that great. Because it's really hard to say, oh, geez, should I pick? my keepers for next year based on their estimated stats for next year for the next two years next three etc i mean it's really hard to say yeah no i i completely agree based on that anecdote that would suggest that there's more value in us trading for picks next year in the sense that you have longer to evaluate whether they're going to be worth it or not i mean we're talking about trying to estimate the value of somebody nine months from now oh yeah right now it's it's really really hard to to, to know as opposed as to the the picks you at least know where the pick value is going to fall and then you only have to be able to forecast a month or two in advance when you finally get to the draft next year yeah yeah exactly hmm. so maybe we like that all right so we would say if you were in a seller mode based on this that you should be accruing picks not trying for keepers if that's available in your league, yeah. yeah. Right. Definitely. Uh, takeaways from this, player evaluations can be legit. I think that they're a good way to think about trade values and comparing across 
pitchers and batters in different positions. But try to use as much data as possible. Uh, data or the value accrues over a lot of time. And so avoiding those sort of flash in the pan guys is important. Um, grab guys that are less than the peak, less than the, the top 20 to top 30 guys. They aren't worth it in a relative value sense. Uh, they, they bounce around a bunch and you just don't quite know um, what they're going, what you should actually be paying to get them. And I think that the real value here is in, is in trading for guys lower down the ladder in the sense that if you can upgrade at the low end, you should do it. And so my suggestion here would be if you can trade for guys 75 and 76 by returning guys 60 and 90, I think you should do it because of the slope that's falling in there. Okay. I'll believe you. You about ready to wrap this sucker up? Yeah, let's do the NBA quickly. Do the Cavs have a chance? Nope. Okay. That was uh that's basically what I thought too. Can you explain anything that's going on in Westworld to me? God no. <laughs> it it's a cluster. Um, did you like that they, they basically did lead speak for the for the cradle? Because it's CR4DL and they just call it the cradle. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. I was into that. That's pretty good. Yeah. So what's going on with Ghost Nation? It's something independent. S- something weird there. Hansi, do you know did you never watch Fargo, right? No. Oh my gosh, Hansi. Hansi's back. That's what it is. You should, you should watch Fargo. Yeah. All right. All right. Put that put that on the schedule. What a review session this will be. Two Towers. Best soundtrack of the three movies, hands down. Yeah. Oh yeah. Riders of Riders of the Rohirrim. Just so good. Howard Shore. Howard Shore. Just so good. I don't think he gets enough praise. That said, I don't I'm not really a big fan of the the writers of the Rohirrim. <laughs> no, really? No? No. 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 Not, not my people. I mean... What? Hmm. Who Hashtag, I... definitely your people. Get out of here. What, what, what are you even trying to say? I don't know. They probably are my people. You're trying to say that you would not be from Rohan? I'd be from, like, the, the outlands of Rohan. <laughs> You'd be a wild man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but okay, like, but in all seriousness, I was thinking about this a lot. I mean, this is the movie Tolkien when he invented this world. I mean, and especially when Peter Jackson decided to read into it mm. and invent this world. Gondor is Rome. And at the end mm-hmm. of the yeah. Roman Empire, the Roman Empire had been fighting Germans and the wild people of the Britons for years. And then finally, Rome was just empty. So they actually were in league with the Germans, you know, when when the Huns came. It's the same thing in Tolkien's world, which is Gondor. Gondor is the heirs of Numenor. They are the mm-hmm. Romans. They are the, the old legacy. And they have, like, just contracted, contracted, contracted. They had been fighting the Rohan folk to the north the fair-haired folk to the north who were somehow big and strong even though they're not you know they don't have the cities and all the wealth that that gondor has 
and they finally they say okay fine rohan you can call it your kingdom you can have our lands there as long as you protect us need to come to aid so come on i mean we would be we would be from rohan uh something that we talked about a little bit offline this week um what's what would have been the best character to be a woman right we had i had a little bit of a text exchange and where mm-hmm. i um caution sarcasm i said just you know too many <laughs> women talking and having lines in this movie <laughs> i think i counted two. Oh man maybe three yeah yeah and this came at like a time when um you know, they they were thinking they were pretty good by having, like, Eowyn be, like, a strong woman character. And you forget that there are no other women characters except for, like, a, a uh, you get a line from Galadriel and you get a couple of breathy lines from Arwen. Well, you have an extended riff by Gimli about <laughs> gender. You know, there aren't. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that didn't help. Yeah. Okay. I know. I mean, and then, and I was... <laughs> I, I said to myself, like, geez, if this movie had come ten years later, they would have just added a woman, and then I then they did in the Hobbit. That was exactly I know, what they that's did. That's exactly what they did. But what would be better is what if they just changed a couple of these characters to just be women? Yep. Like, why not? And I think you're right. The power rankings in I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. You said number one, Legolas. Legolas would have been great. Would've would been great. have been slightly less pretty probably if you'd cast a woman but i think i think you're right about that that's a beautiful man uh and then one of mary and pippin that would have been great get a brother sister dynamic in there would have been awesome exactly yeah and mary is already you know mary and pippin are both somewhat feminine names oh that totally would have worked all right good movie though great 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 movie. movie really good man i fellowship i always like the first movie the best of like starting out on Mm -hmm. the journey it's always the one that i like the best and like the last one i think has the highest expectations probably my least favorite this one is a pretty good number two uh this is a great one this is a good one follows the solid same arc as the four five six trilogy in terms of like my favoritism really i think fellowship wins me in that first 10 minutes Every single time. Uh, I mean, um, and but uh, only of the extended edition. Is it the same if you don't do the extended edition? Because you get yep. a little bit more Hobbiton in the extended edition. Yeah, it's it's still uh, extended original one and Amon Hen at the end. Just bookended by just in oh. Moria. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, Fellowship. Moria is really my. That's I don't know. My I don't know. Buttered. I don't know. I love Two Towers. I think I might like Two Towers better than Fellowship. It's it's fine. I'll accept it's close. it. It's close. I'll accept close. anything but um, ROTK. I mean, that's obviously distant third. Distant third. Speaking of which, what movie are we doing next week? <laughs> I had been seeing this an absolute ton when we'd been watching all of our HBO shows. I really want to watch the new Fahrenheit 451 movie. Oh, we just did a new movie. It's uh. not that new. It's You're at home. It's on HBO. Uh, we have so many movies to do. I know. I knew you were going to be mad about it. I don't care. I love Ray Bradbury. I am way in on Ray Bradbury in general. Fine. We're only Fine. we're at movie. We're at fifteen of fifty. 
We're fine. fine. All right. We're fine. We're going to make it. HBO All Fahrenheit right. 451. I need to see it. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Mayor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.